0: All right, all right, all right. Welcome back into the All B Sports Podcast, where it's all BS all the time. I'm here with James. Um, all right, we're gonna jump right in here. Um, news. We got lots of lots of big news, um, man. I, I, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, I can't believe you, you haven't. But Dak Prescott going down with a major major ankle injury. Um, already had surgery the night of the night of the injury. Uh, all things are pointed up for his recovery and the surgery went well. Um, so that, I mean, that's a huge hit to the Dallas Cowboys and, and Dak Prescott. And, you know, I mean, you heard it all off season long with the contract talks. So I don't know where it goes from here. Uh, you know, he's playing on the franchise tag. I don't know if he gets tagged again or if, if they f- figure out a, a contract for him, but they, they actually can't talk about that until the end of the um the season uh after the season ends
1: yeah and I think it's a really interesting situation Jerry Jones did come out and say that uh Dak Prescott is part of the Dallas Cowboys future uh you know and I know there's a lot of people out there really dogging on the Cowboys and Jerry Jones for not giving Dak the contract he wanted but at the same time you know I've been calling for getting rid of this franchise tag. Personally, I think that that's the number one thing that players should be fighting uh, the NFLPA and NFLPA should be fighting. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he was offered a contract. Uh, we've seen it more. It's become more of a regular thing for players to sit out instead of playing out on these franchise tags. And, you know, that was definitely an option that he had and, you know, he, he took the risk of playing and unfortunately this ended up happening. Uh, it'll be really interesting for me to see just what Andy Dalton does. Uh, you know, he's, quite a few years older, I guess he's 30, 32-ish, I'm not the exact age right now. So uh, if he comes in and plays really well and is willing to take more of a team-friendly contract, uh, you know, we've said it for, you know, since the beginning of this podcast, Cowboys are built uh, quarterback-friendly teams. So, yeah, going to be really, really interesting to see how this year plays out with Andy Dalton, looking at his contract talks, as well as what they could potentially look to do with Dak. So, a lot to yeah, see in
0: there. Lot, lot to yeah, I mean the off season is going to be kind of I mean not that any off season isn't but off season is going to be crazy. There's all kinds of storylines right now uh Same. coming up in this off season so uh speaking of off season uh the Falcons will be looking for a new head coach after they fired Dan Quinn after the 0 5 Falcons start here they lose to the Carolina Panthers uh in and Unimpressive fashion, really. I mean, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, we knew we we
1: we knew it was coming. We didn't think it would happen before the gas firing, but
0: we knew what was coming.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've just seen a steady downward trajectory since Dan Quinn took over. Um, you know, I think that there was a lot of a lot to do with even just Shanahan and the offense being more efficient uh, back when he was there. Uh, we've just seen really how Shanahan is within a football organization with what he's done with the 49ers outside of their ins- insanely injury riddled season right now. Um, I'm not sure who they could be looking at. I think that uh, this could be a potential uh, where they'd be looking at Eric, the bringing an offensive mind of the eye to work with uh, Matt Ryan here. I think that that could be a big, a pretty good fit, but it does leave you needing to go and get just a top tier uh, defensive coordinator um, I always wonder why couldn't they just say, "Hey, you know, we want to hire you on as a defensive coordinator," you know, because that's what Dan Quinn is great at, and you could even see him reuniting with the Seahawks. Uh, and there's been a lot of chatter about that. So, yeah, a lot of lot of, lot to look at there. I'm not sure what direction the the Falcons are going to go, but it really is their defense that needs to be completely overhauled. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, and they, I mean, there's talent on that defense and, and then they, and there's obviously t- talent all over the place on the offense. Um, you know, I, where do they, where does Atlanta go from here? You know, I mean, they're, they've got the trade deadline coming up and Julio's out there. Uh, you know, things can get crazy in a, in a, in a, in a year like this, where the head coach is fired and, and Julio's getting towards the end of his career. And yeah, and a lot of young quarterbacks coming in the draft. It could be kind of just hold on to your hats. It could be a little crazy.
1: Yeah, they're, they're definitely uh, a candidate for just blowing it all up. Um, Julio is definitely looking like a shell of his former self. Uh, Calvin Ridley's proven to be that number one uh, type of player ability. So uh, Matt Ryan being 35 and, you know, still playing solid football, but obviously not the kind of football to to carry his team to wins. Uh, but I guess who could when you have the one of the worst defenses in the league. Uh, but yeah, definitely a candidate to just blow it all up and start rebuilding.
0: Yeah, could could be like I said, lots of um, lots of potential. Like again, the off storylines continue here. Yep. Um, all right, and probably the biggest news of the weekend, at least the latest breaking news of the weekend. Le'Veon Bell released by the New York Jets. Um, I mean, Gay said it. I mean, they signed Le'Veon Bell to what was it? A three year or four year deal uh, worth the second most money in the league. I think next to Zeke at the time, uh, just in 2018. So not even, well, yeah, not even that long ago. And, um, and now he's on, now he's a street free agent. Um, and Gase even like I said, Gase said it. He didn't. He didn't want him. He didn't want him when he, uh, you know, and um, uh, he got signed. And so this is this has come to fruition. That's two major stars now chased out by Adam Gase, uh, chased out of the New York. You know, with Jamal Adams going to Seattle, and now Gase on the street, or sorry, uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell on the street.
1: Yeah, and I mean that was that was kind of my biggest red flag. Uh, as soon as they hired Gase, and he came out and said, like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have signed him you know, I wouldn't have brought in, man, he doesn't fit, you know, what I'm looking for. That's too much money, all these different things. And you're like, you gotta, I mean, what is your thought with that? Like you have to know how to, you know, work an NFL locker room and at least just like, you know, come out and say the things that are true. Like Le'Veon Bell is a game changing back. You know, he he's, you know, we're, we're happy to have his, you know, versatility on the team. Right. Like the canned answers that any head coach should say when you have a player of Le'Veon Bell's caliber Uh, and instead Gase blows up that relationship from day one. I do love that he uh, was liking some tweets about uh, Adam Gase's not using him in the Jets loss uh, and then, you know, liked a tweet saying the Jets should trade him. And then uh, the next day he was he was dropped. So um, what a weird dynamic. I'm personally pulling for the Colts to go pick him up. He's still only 28. Uh, they need a legitimate feature back. I think that Jonathan Taylor needs to grow into that role a little bit. We'll get a little bit more of that later. But uh, I think that that would be a really, really good fit for a guy like Le'Veon Bell to have that type of an offensive line. And you could see him bounce back to his you know, 2015, 20, 2016 20,
0: form. Yeah, I mean – there's chatter i mean there, uh, this is this is one of those players that could change the landscape of the nfl pretty quickly if he goes where you know wherever he goes i mean i've heard i've heard patriots which is scary i've heard uh, uh the chiefs which is scary i mean i've even, i've heard the browns like i mean uh, yeah, it's just like he, you get into this stuff and and uh, you know, it's just like, he's a talented guy and, and he can definitely help your team. And some of those you know, Chicago is another team that, you know, if they're four and one, they're in this, you know, and they need, they need some running back help. So like, there's all, there's all, he can make a big splash somewhere. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I did see, so it's not the same type of a contract situation as, uh, as Leonard Fournette. So he can't do like the double dipping contract. So I guess it's a, Essentially, if he makes anything less than what the 6.6 6 that uh, the Jets owe him, uh, then at that point, the Jets would have to pick up the rest of that tab. So if, say he gets a $1 million deal minimum somewhere, the Jets would be picking up that four 4- five 5.6 remaining. So he is going to be looking for the best type of contract versus, you know, with Fournette, it was like, yeah, anything's good. I'm still getting, you know, 100% of my previous check still. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the bears would be good. And like you said, the Patriots, that would be scary. I mean, Cam Newton makes running backs better with his threat of being able to run the ball. And, uh, yeah, that would be, that would, I mean, Patriots are already up there for me in my power rankings. And that would put them two or three spots higher.
0: Yeah. I mean, you all, well, you saw what Cam was with uh Christian McCaffrey there for those couple of years, but yeah. All right. Uh, so we'll get, we'll jump into the games, but, uh, no Thursday night game this week. Uh, that was pushed because of the COVID rescheduling. Um, so we'll just jump in, uh, to the games here. So, uh, first game up, we have the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Panthers pull this one off. Um, yeah, I mean. Uh, Mike Davis looking like Christian McCaffrey out there I mean he's he's a uh, I think a top five uh, been a top five back the last three weeks since or three or four weeks since Christian McCaffrey's gone down
1: yeah I mean the the Panthers quick turnaround continues to be impressive Uh, you know I don't think I had them at three wins till you know week eight or nine this year so for them to be through week five and already have three wins that's that's really good and It's hard to say if this was an impressive win against uh, Atlanta or if this was just, uh, Atlanta, just blowing it again. Uh, Matt Ryan didn't look great again. No, uh, Julio Jones out there. And so, yeah, Todd Gurley had a great game, but that was about the bright spot for, uh, the Falcons really, um, Teddy Bridgewater, sorry, Teddy Bridgewater just continues to impress me. I, I really had him a lot lower, uh, you know, in what I thought of him, just especially with what he did with the saints last year, where I think he threw for like 173 yards a game. Uh, I didn't have him as a guy who could carry a team. And he is doing that with the weapons with Robert Anderson and DJ Moore. Uh, like you said, with what Mike Davis is doing. So Par- Carolina is a, you know, a, a dark horse for that. Was it ninth playoff spot? Uh, you know, that team that <laughs> just kind of sneaks in there and, you know, nobody kind of had them on their radar, but they've been very competitive all season. And I, I just continue to see that happen.
0: Yeah. It's, it's surprising to say the least. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with the Falcons going forward, uh, offensively and everything like that. You know, I mean, Calvin Ridley has been a, excuse me, fantasy superstar this year. Um, like and like you said, Matt Matt Ryan didn't look very impressive without Julio Jones. He, he Matt Ryan needs Julio Jones out there apparently to be anything, um, uh, as far as fantasy goes. Yeah. All right, so the Bengals at the Ravens. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you say? I mean, they this was. I think one of two instances in the last 20 years where a a coach uh, put the field goal unit out there just to get three points on the board. So there wasn't a shutout. That was the only reason why they kicked the field goal. I mean, they were shut out of this game for all, but the the last couple of minutes there. Um, But that being said, Lamar Jackson did not look good in this game. He's, he's in a funk ever since the chiefs game. Um, Mm -hmm. Can't get it going as far as the passing game goes.
1: Well, and I think you look at this game and, uh, you know, he only had two carries for three yards and I don't know what they're trying to do. I think, you know, I don't know if they're just trying to make Lamar Jackson a pocket passer. And so they're trying to force that issue. Uh, This was kind of the, you know, the comp that I put on him coming out of college was that, you know, he's, you know, Tebow with a little bit more, with a lot more athleticism and a little bit more accurate. Uh, If you force him to be a, you know, a pocket passer. He's he falls apart. He he's not accurate downfield. He has just some weird balls where you're like, how's how does that come out of his hand? Uh, you know. But if you let him do his thing, you let him get be Lamar out there. You know, where he's running for sixty, seventy, a hundred yards a game. Uh, it opens up everything on the on the defense to where he can you know where he's throwing to big windows to these big body guys. Um. Yeah, I think that you're starting to see a blueprint put together for slowing him down. Uh, and if it wasn't for their defense putting seven sacks on Joe Burrow and you know holding Joe Mixon to 2.5 yards a carry, uh, this same defensive effort by the Bengals, you know, with a different offensive showing, and we could have seen the you know Ravens lose a game here.
0: Yeah, I mean that that whole division we'll get into a couple of those games obviously later on or the teams later on and then next week there's some there's some big games going on in that division but um you've got you've got the Cincinnati Bengals at 1-3 and 1 and Baltimore Steelers and the Browns all at 4-1. That I mean Steelers at 4-0. 4-0, oh. oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah.
1: they're they uh yeah,
0: you're right. They missed that uh they got their bye week early with uh with the Titans game. But um
1: Yeah, even with the Bengals being at one three and one, this is the toughest division in football right now. Um, which I love to see, you know, the NFC North has always represented that and yeah, there's three A- just, AFC North. Oh AFC North, yeah. Um they're just representing and it's, it's I think one of these teams is gonna be in the AFC championship.
0: AFC championship. <laughs> yeah uh yeah um all right so yeah i mean i i i could definitely see that the only the only the only thing that ha- would go against the, that idea is them one of them just beating up on the other is too much and, and you know seeing each other in the in the round before or something like that sure um all right one of the biggest surprises of the weekend the Las Vegas Raiders go into Kansas City and beat the chiefs uh quite soundly uh it you know initially it looked like the Chiefs were gonna be rolling and, and doing their thing and then and then ah, switch flipped and, and the and the Raiders just kind of had their number uh I mean they like it took Kansas City this game like I said other oh, scoreboard shows it closer than this game was um it took Kansas City. What down they were, they scored their second the, to make it an eight point game with like three minutes to go or four minutes to go in the game. So yeah. they were down big for a long time in this game.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I'll say that I wasn't super surprised because if you take it back to last podcast, I've been telling you guys, Las Vegas Raiders are a good football team. And this was the first game in a couple of weeks that they had Henry Ruggs back. And I think that was a huge, huge spark to that offense. Uh, this is a game where we saw. Derek Carr throw for, you know, 350 yards just about and uh, three touchdowns to just the one interception. Uh, The Raiders have kind of had the Chiefs number uh, even since Patrick Mahomes has been around, yet Derek Carr has just not been able to close out games and Patrick Mahomes has always been able to push those over the top. Uh, We've seen a couple of pieces with, you know, the emergence of Darren Waller with Henry Ruggs, uh, Nelson Aguilar being over there, uh, as well as Josh Jacobs that this has a full offense. And this is looking like a different defense since uh, Abraham came back. we talked about him kind of being missing last year, and so yeah, I like the Raiders a lot, and uh, Kansas better be better be paying attention because the next time that they play in, they have to travel uh, over to that new stadium there in Las Vegas.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is not a particularly good outing for just just about anybody on the chiefs team i mean defensively obviously if you get 40 hung on you that's ugly and then offensively i mean yeah you score 32 points but again a lot of that came at the end of the game when you know when you're just playing catch-up so um i mean i think the chiefs are still the chiefs i mean everyone has a bad day uh i mean i appreciate the undefeated going down um (laughs) hail to the 72 dolphins but uh yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I, I think I'll be be back on the chiefs next week. I don't know who, I don't know what their schedule is just right now in front of me, but, uh, this is just a hiccup divisional game, tough game. Uh, just got caught off guard.
1: Yeah. And I, I believe that this says more about the Raiders than it does about the chiefs. I think the Raiders are just, you know, a really good, really good team that people aren't really looking at right now. Uh, and then add that together with this being, you know, a divisional rivalry game, uh, that all just kind of comes together Oop, are you there I am okay
0: here. it's back on so sorry about that we had some technical difficulties uh yeah it was uh our internet is being a little bit funky sorry about that guys uh, but anyways can please continue james
1: yeah so I don't know if that caught any of that it was still showing recorded on my end but essentially I think that this shows more about the Raiders than it does about the Chiefs I think the Raiders are a lot better than a lot of people are giving them credit for and now on top of that it's a divisional game uh you know anytime that you're and 2 you kind of go on to cruise control uh when you're rolling undefeated and you know they may have just been kind of caught napping and yeah I don't think this is you know I don't think that we broke the mold of what the Chiefs are I think that we're you know, still just scratching the surface on how good that team can be. So,
0: mm-hmm. All right. Moving on to the Los Angeles Rams at the Washington Redskins. And I guess I've got a bone to pick it with myself here. You know, I've been so low on the Rams, and, and, and I've been giving myself a hard time all, all up, um, since the season started, really, about uh, them getting they're, – they're off to a 4-1 start. But if you look at it, their four wins are against – the NFC least they beat the Cowboys they beat the Giants they beat the uh the Redskins or excuse me the Washington football team and the Eagles so where's an impressive win I mean they they lost to the Buffalo Bills in a good and close game you can you can blame it on the DPI at the end of the game you can there's all kinds of bad calls in that official we've taught you go back and listen to the, the the that 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 cast but Uh, There was some bad calls by the refs in that game against the Bills, but I don't know. I I, I think this Rams team is a little bit of um, pretender, Uh, maybe a little bit of fool's gold, flash in the pan.
1: So I will say that the Cowboys uh, have scored against other teams uh, 40, 31, 38, and 37. Whereas against the Rams, they only scored 17 points, you know? um, So there's some things you have to kind of look at in that sense as well. Uh, The one thing I'm looking at is they did play, you know, the Bills, they did play them extremely competitively outside of a close game with, uh, with the Giants who, you know, are kind of a fluky team right now. uh, You can only do so much with the schedule that you're given. Um, I will say that, you know, I kind of was like this on the bills last year, you know, and they ended up going through the whole season and, and making the playoffs. And, you know, ultimately lost to the Titans, right? Uh, no. Or Texans. Texans. Lost Texans. To the Texans. Um, So, yeah, I think that for me, that just comes down to, you can only play the schedule that you're given and uh, you know, we could be seeing some pretenders in this. I, I do think that they've played, you know, a lot of really efficient football and they've kind of blown out some teams. So let me see, what's their schedule looking like? When can we expect to see, you know, kind of a better test for them?
0: Well, I got to start getting some divisional games here soon. Let's see, they are playing at San Francisco this week, so we don't, <laughs> we'll don't. we get into that San Francisco game, but we know San yeah. Francisco's beat
1: to heck right now. Um, yeah, hard to say anything about that. And then they have the Bears, uh, Bears-Dolphins-Seahawks-Bucks, so that'll be a decent stretch. Uh, definitely some at least physical teams, some high scoring teams, you know, and some definite defense with the Bucks. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think this uh, this next you know stretch of four games or so will definitely give us a better idea what they are. Um, but second in the NFC West right now, four and one. Uh, I thought your I thought your big storyline was going to be that you know Alex Smith stepped out on a football. team. That's
0: where I was headed next. Uh, exactly. I mean Washington football team. Um... You know, we could talk about the team all we want, but what's the 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 real win, regardless of what the score on the uh, on the scoreboard was, was Alex Smith getting back on the field after I think I saw a, it was like 680 days or something that since since his injury um, that almost took his leg, like they were talking about amputating this guy's leg, and, that, and then he's back in the back in the NFL playing football against one of the scariest D linemen there is on on the field and, and Alex Smith is out there chucking it around. I mean, that's that's just a win. I don't care who you are, that's a win for anybody for a football team. Like if you're a football fan, that's a win.
1: Yeah, I mean all that being said, you know, I've I've spoken out about how much I love Alex Smith, you know, but he uh did not look good and uh he got beat up six sacks and I think just a little, a little over half of football, uh, nine to 17 for 37 yards. So unfortunately the Cinderella story, you know, of him coming back and leading this team to, you know, the over the hump for their rebuild is not quite gonna go the way I thought that it did. It was gonna, but, uh, Kyle Allen definitely seemed to give this team a spark early on until he went out with an injury. So it sounds like he's going to be back next week. Um, definitely be interesting to see you know if he can continue kind of lighten up this offense and getting them moving uh who knows what this could have been if he would have played all four quarters
0: yeah it would have been interesting i mean um fantasy wise my ter- terry mclaurin did not perform at all um it's just like i, said, I think they ran into jalen ramsey on this one but uh Yeah. I mean, we know, we know what Washington, I feel like we kind of know what Washington is right now that may change a little bit as, as Kyle Allen works with the number ones a little bit more, but this, I mean, this is going to be a team that's picking in the top at least top six of the, of the draft next year. So, I mean, work it off a first, first year head coach uh, first year with this team, head coach and Ron Rivera and, and, uh, Yeah, I mean, we know they're building. That defensive line is legit. They lost some pieces already off of it, so we'll see really what this team can do next year. I feel like that, you know, going through the draft and stuff, and and free agency, and get getting Ron Rivera's guys in there and see what happens with this team.
1: Could we see a Cam Newton Ron Rivera uh, (laughs) uh, reunite?
0: Uh, What's no. the word I'm
1: looking for? Reunion. Reunion, Reunion next year.
0: No, I, I think I, I don't think uh, I don't think the Patriots are too keen on letting Cam leave after what they saw in, in Stidham and and Hoyer the last week.
1: Well, I'll get a little bit more into how dumb <laughs> Hoyer is here when we get to this Saints game, Saints and Chargers game.
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, Arizona Cardinals at the New York Jets. Uh, I mean. <sighs> Jets are going 0 and 16. What do you got? What else? What else is there to say? So, <laughs> I mean, Cardinals. Cardinals are in New York and they whomp them 30 to 10, and Jets are going 0 and 16. That's all I got to say
1: about this. Yeah, let me just look at something here real quick. And so they had Flacco out there. Yeah, I mean the <laughs> the Cardinals put up almost twice as many yards uh, in the same amount of drives. You know. Um, I mean, what can you say? And nearly the same amount of plays. Uh, Cardinals ran 68 plays for 496 yards. Uh, Jets ran 64 plays for 285 yards. So, if that isn't an indication that uh, Adam Gase is not an offensive guru, then I don't know <laughs> what is going to be the you know the big aha moment for Jets ownership there. But you know, and you know, Le'Veon Bell has been you know, a solid piece of that offense the last couple of years. And I think that they're going to be uh, rudely awakened when he is no longer an option for them. Um, I got—I I actually missed this. Was Darnold benched or was he? Out no, with
0: he, he was out with injury. He, so in the uh, previous week, uh, the game they play, I can't remember who they played, but, Darnold went out of the game briefly because he got tackled on his shoulder all funky, and then they, and then after he came back in the game, after the game there was more swelling, and um, so they kept him out this week. And he may not be ready to go even this week, this next week coming up against the Dolphins. Uh, again, a schedule change there with the whole COVID realignment. But, yeah, he, uh, he was out with injury in this game. That's why Flacco started.
1: Boy, I'd be uh... – I'd be, you know, having a lingering injury if I was Sam Darnold, and it would just be <laughs> not quite, not quite 100%, you know, week in, week out. Because, you know, if you could just manage to not suit up for this team for the rest of the year, I think you'd save yourself a lot of face.
0: Yeah. I mean, that hashtag storyline here, too. Justin Lawrence is sitting there potentially coming out of the college ranks and into the NFL draft and and the Jets could be staring at the, at him as their number one overall pick and and what what happened with Darnold at that point? You, You did it again,
1: Nick. You did Justin Lawrence again.
0: Well, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Why do I keep saying Justin Lawrence? That's weird. Justin,
1: Trevor Lawrence, Justin, Justin Fields. Ah, Fields. Oh, gosh, gosh, you're right. Yep, all right. But at the end of the day, the the first pick is going to be Justin Lawrence because it's going to be one of those two guys. So, <laughs> you know, we're just gonna we're gonna couple them up like Fragilina and you know, oh, famous oh Hollywood couples. So here um, we go. <laughs> yeah. So nothing else to say. Cardinals getting a big win like they needed it, and the Jets continue just to stink. Yeah. So this is right. a game that I was pretty excited about here, though. The Philadelphia Eagles, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, definitely a closer game than, or kind of as close as I expected it to be. Like I said, Tomlin really tends to play down to his competition. And, you know, Philly always seems to play the Steelers really, really tough. Uh, Wentz, again, just didn't look very impressive. He was bailed out by a receiver who was catching. Basically everything he threw in his direction in Travis Fulgrim, Fulgrim,
0: Fulgham. yeah, Fulgham.
1: yeah. Uh, but speaking of which, we saw the emergence of Chase Claypool, the new Megatron, uh, the, putting up four <laughs> touchdowns.
0: The Just, emergence is a yeah, is a bit of an understatement.
1: Wow, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I mean he had that, you know, week one he had the welcome to the NFL rookie catch, you know, and you know you're like, oh, I would expect the best five receivers in the NFL to make that kind of a catch, you know, and then he has another big play. And then they said, Hey, we're going to make this kid a big part of our offense. And, you know, they're calling him seven 11, you know, cause he's always open. Um, you know, Oh, he was come just... on. You can't take uh, Chris Hogan's nickname. That was always Chris Hogan's nickname for hey, whatever that... reason. <laughs> hey, that, you know, that's what they're doing. And I think it's because he's, he's open when he's not open, I think is what they're saying. Chris Hogan just somehow was always <laughs> nobody within a striking distance, but um, you know, he was talking a lot about how Ben is just being really, really vocal, you know, with these guys and, you know, literally in the huddle. And this is just that veteran leadership of like, Hey, if you see this coverage, you know, I'm not going to even look your way. You know, I want you to run this way and open this up for these guys. And, you know, just being really, you know, verbally, you know, directive with these players. Cause ultimately this is a super, super young, uh, receiving core, and they're really gearing up. That if they could get the next quarterback in there here in a couple of years, whenever Ben does leave, you know they're set for years. You know at the wide receiver position with uh, Juju and Deontay and uh, Claypool here. So, uh,
0: yeah, really I mean, exciting. I think this. I think this is kind of the 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 theme of our podcast this week, James, is kind of off season storylines. I don't know if Juju's going to be back there next year. He's in a contract year this year. And they might be liking what they see in James Washington and Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson and not wanting to pay Juju what he's gonna probably demand on the on the market there.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um I would expect Juju to take a team friendly uh type of deal, but obviously you never know with these guys. He he definitely has seemed like a team first kind of player. Um, you know, and Pittsburgh is while they've walked away from some guys, they've also managed to, you know, keep some guys around. But ultimately, I would be okay with Juju going. I love him as a person. Um, But, yeah, I think the Claypool would be the better, better one to focus on because I think he has a much, much higher ceiling. He could be a top five wide receiver in the next five years.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean – you, you Well, like I said, we saw it with the talent uh, in that first catch and, and just obviously this weekend with everything that he did. Um, not much to say on the Philly side. I mean, Zach Ertz fails to show up. Or, or, I mean, he's getting all the coverage. I don't know what the – you know. Um, yeah, they, Philly did play tougher in this game. Or, or like you said, James, the, the Pittsburgh maybe played down a little bit. It was closer than expected, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, at one point, I think they had a 31-point lead, and I think that Pittsburgh kind of took their foot off the pedal. Um, and ultimately, they only had a 31-point lead at one point, I think because, you know, uh, Miles Sanders ripped off like a 73-yard run or something crazy like that. Oh, yeah. through coverage. But, uh, yeah, I think this was a situation where they, they felt like they pretty much firmly had him in hand, and then uh, Fulgham just started catching. I mean, I'm talking about this was like double-triple coverage, uh, and they finally switched Joe Hayden onto him in the fourth, and kind of shut him down after that. But yeah, Wentz was just throwing up prayers, and Fulcom was going up and catching all of them. And you were kind of like, "Oh, I mean, this could not go in the right direction here late." But <laughs> they managed to pull it off, and Pittsburgh remains one of the undefeated.
0: Yep. Yes, they do. All right. Uh, let's talk about one of the one of the defeated. And one of the not defeated, I I don't know. Uh, Houston gets their first win against Jacksonville. Both of these teams are now one and four. Uh, uh, Deshaun Watson had a game, uh, which, you know, kind of to be expected anymore against this uh, Jacksonville defense. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I guess, I mean, I picked Jacksonville in this game because I I really didn't trust anything that was going on in Houston. Uh, But maybe – Maybe they're, maybe they're finally rid of the weight of Bill O'Brien, and, and they can play with a little bit of freedom, and, and that's what kind of showed up on the field this week.
1: Yeah, I'm just kind of looking through here. Um, it's kind of an interesting game. It definitely looked like, uh, you know, the Texans were in control kind of early on, but um I'm trying to see kind of what the big difference was here. Jacksonville, 8 for 16 on third downs. Houston, 5 for 10. Yeah,
0: Jacksonville uh, couldn't get it going on the ge- ground. Um, went for so- it,
1: went for it three times, only converted once on fourth. So I mean, that's two turnovers essentially. Uh, you know, that kind of evens out against the turnover. I saw that Deshaun Watson had the two interceptions there, but yeah, I mean, this was kind of what I expected. I definitely thought the Houston was going to come out. They, I mean, they had to come out and make a statement win against the Jacksonville Jaguars after moving on for Bill O'Brien. And um, like you said, I think there's a big weight lifted. I think that you know there's no expectations on them anymore. They just they're going to play out this season, look for their new head coach, uh, and I think that they're definitely an upset alert every week because Deshaun Watson and JJ Watt, man. I mean,
0: yeah, there's talent. Say? Yeah, there's talent on this team for sure, and and yeah, they're kind of playing maybe with a little bit of reckless abandon and and with nothing to lose from here on out. So,
1: yeah, just house money. Brandon Cooks definitely stepped up and said, "Hey." still kind of a big deal over here with his 161 yards receiving.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely one of the forgotten. That's for sure.
1: All right. My
0: Miami Dolphins go into San Francisco and stomp them 43 to 17. Didn't, I mean, I picked the Dolphins to win this game. I was fairly positive. They were going to win this game pretty handily, but not as handily as 43 to 17. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Set one of the set the third best passer rating of any Dolphins quarterback in all of all time uh, for a single game. So I mean, uh, you're talking about Dan Marino in their history, and he set the third best passer rating of all time for a full game uh, in this game. He looked great. Uh, Yeah, full team win here for the Dolphins. They finally get their secondary healthy with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard both on the field. Uh, just shut him down. I mean, they benched Jimmy G at halftime to protect him. Uh, Yeah, I feel I feel good.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always good to get a win, no matter what the situation is. I mean, you know, I think that the big thing that I saw here was, I'll be honest, there was a lack of research on my part. I didn't realize just how decimated this 49ers team and secondary was. I mean, they had a guy guarding Devontae Adams, Devontae Parker. I always get that one wrong. Who had just been elevated from the practice squad the day before. Uh, and Fitzpatrick made them know it. <laughs> he went at him early, often, and all game long. Uh, this was probably one of the biggest coaching meltdowns that I have ever seen uh, on all parts. Jimmy G definitely, you could tell the injury was still there. The ankle wasn't 100%. He wasn't stepping up and stepping into throws, he wasn't, he wasn't sliding in the pocket whatsoever. Uh, And it showed his accuracy was terrible. Uh, he, you know, the secondary, you know, we've, we've given the Miami dolphins credit for being looking like a physical team with a, you know, a a legitimate secondary. And when you have a guy who's struggling like that, they should have probably pulled him earlier. And then on top of that, to just put this, you know, guy that was just elevated off the practice squad out there with no over the top health playing a lot of cover one, you know, single, single safety man stuff. Uh, you know, and just watching this kid get torched for four quarters at some point, you have to change what you're doing and get this kid some help. Um, yeah, big win for the dolphins, kind of a, you know, definitely a, uh, a confidence builder for them, you know, but, uh, for me, I want to see them play a team at full strength with this secondary, you know, fully rolling. We saw kind of glimpses of it, you know, against Seattle the week before, um, I'd like to see this go roll into the second one. I'd like Fitzpatrick to face that big secondary because that's, that's my big question mark on the dolphins right now is if Fitzpatrick can play big in big games, you know, and kind of get everybody rolling that direction. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, right now, as it sits, you know, the dolphins, you know, Brian Jones was out in that week two game against uh, the bills uh, and he hadn't been back till this week. And, uh, they're still that the Dolphins defense is still ninth uh, in scoring. Um, so they're, I mean, they're in top 10 in the league defense in score as far as scoring goes. Uh, they're 12th tied for 12th in scoring offense. Their three losses are to the Patriots in week one, the bills in week two, and then Seattle last week. Like this is, this is a stronger team than they're getting credit for, oh, for uh, sure. I believe. And, and I, I you talk about those dark horse teams. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens over the night. I mean, they're going to get the win against the Jets this, this week. I mean, God forbid. I, I eat my own words right now. But uh, um, they've got a pretty pretty good schedule coming up here. I mean, they're going to get to 500. Again, God forbid I eat my own words here. Uh, they're going to get to 500 next week, and then they're on their bye. And then they've got a couple of winnable games, and we could see them really push for uh, – <laughs> But like I said we're, we we could see him push for a playoff spot so we'll see what, we'll see what happens but uh to move the ball or keep the ball rolling as uh, San Francisco, yeah this this team is just beat up real real bad um their two wins came against the jets and the giants so yeah. th- their their strength as a as a team could be really you know is really questionable right now too you know with with what they look like on sunday
1: yeah, and, I, you know, kind of my final thought with the Dolphins is this is why I'm just ready for Tua out there. Um, you know, all the indications are that he's healthy. You know, and, of course, it's crazy for me to be saying that after the big game that Fitzpatrick just had, right? But, again, this was against, you know, a decimated defense all around. You know, their defensive line is missing the major pieces. Their defensive backs are missing major pieces. And for me, my big question mark every week is, you know, and you you've kind of heard probably a trend with me is, like, can Fitzpatrick play well this week, or will this be a Fitz tragic week? And, you know, with the direction they're going, you got to find out, you know, like you said, with the losses that they do have, uh, being against three of the best teams in the NFL, you got to kind of think like, okay, we're there. We're not, we're no longer rebuilding. Let's get, let's move into the next era of Dolphins football. Let's get two out here and see what we can do. That's just my personal opinion because Fitzpatrick isn't part of their future. So the sooner they can move on and get, get going in the right direction for me, that's, that's the right move.
0: Preach. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All <right. laughs>
0: We'll move on here. Uh, Indianapolis Colts at the Cleveland Browns. Uh, <gasps> James, I know you've watched a lot of these two teams, so you, you, I know you got some things to say, so you go for it, man.
1: Well, Baker Mayfield looked like an MVP in the first half. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Um, He played – I mean, I love watching this Browns offense right now uh, just because they are so much more dynamic than they were under Freddie Kitchens. Uh, Baker Mayfield is one of the top quarterbacks when throwing on the run and rolling to his left in the NFL, which is kind of a crazy thing. But, I mean, the, the Indianapolis Colts, even after this, are still, I think, the top defense in the league. Uh and you saw just the way that the Browns run the ball and then they they sell out completely on these play action and you just see the defense eat it, hook, line, and sinker, and you can't blame them because this is a this is a team that can run the ball really, really, really well. Uh the Colts did slow that down in this game. But ultimately for me, my big issues were with Phillip Rivers. You know, he's throwing the interceptions, uh, you know, he's not just whatever he, whatever he does, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, he he throws these interceptions that look like, you know, rookie interceptions where he's, I mean, one there, Oh, I'm losing my mind here. Browns are in just a standard cover two zone. Look, I mean, the, the safety comes down in the box and he's standing, he's in the, he's playing the hard flat outside and he's literally just standing in the same spot for the entire play. And T Y Hilton runs fully across the field, And Phillip rivers just watches him the whole time. And then as soon as he gets into coverage, he throws the ball directly to the defender. Who's just been watching his eyes and was like, Oh really? He just threw that to me. Like just one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. Um, On top of that, I think that it was kind of a bad call with the, uh, the intentional grounding, but at the same time, rivers has to be smarter than that. I mean, what are they even doing running a passing play, you know, out of the end zone, you know, when the Browns, miles Garrett's just dominating him? So a uh, big loss for the Colts. Again, they're going to go where Philip Rivers goes, unfortunately, which I think is going to leave a lot of Colts fans just really uh, high hopes and disappointed by the end of the season because I just don't think that he's going to carry carry this team in the big moments. Uh, but the Browns are legit. That's what I'm going to say. They're they're the real deal.
0: Oh, yes, yeah. And that was where my question. I was actually going to ask that question. Is what? Okay, so what do we think about these two teams? I mean. Brown's four and one again in that super tough division, uh but we talked about it a little bit last week i mean this was their most impressive win by far yeah um um and the in the colts who've been kind of like up and down like it, you know we see' we see them lose week one to the Jacksonville Jaguars and they come out and win three straight, and he's like, okay then they kind of come out and lay an egg but Maybe it, maybe like I said, maybe it's the Browns finally getting on the same page. You know, with no off season, they're they're starting to roll a little bit. So, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm excited. Like I said, next week the the Browns. I I, don't, I can't remember where the is it if it's in Pittsburgh or not. But the Browns play the Pittsburgh Steelers next week, and I think we're going to get a lot of answers in that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Browns are rushing for 188 yards a game right now. So if we look at a 16 game season here. This is a 3000 yard rushing team, you know, uh, that's, that's legit. Uh, on top of that, their defense, you know, if they, if they get the lead, their defense is built to hold it. Uh, Myles Garrett is playing like a defensive MVP. He's got, I think the most sacks, most pressures, most, uh, pressures into turnovers, uh, just a number of things that he's doing amazingly. I think that when they signed him to that massive deal, that was the best thing that they ever did. Um, and yeah, with the Colts, you know, this is a team that legitimately could win a Super Bowl if everything went in the right direction, but I just don't trust uh, Phillip Rivers. And Jonathan Taylor is not there yet. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of people calling for, you know, how Jonathan Taylor was going to overtake take Marlon Mack and these different things. I, I think that now we're starting to see a couple weeks without Marlon Mack in the offense at all. We're starting to see just how good of a running back he was. Um, and he really was. He had great patience, great vision. And uh, he, he was really shifty, and so I think going out and getting like a Le'Veon Bell could be the piece that puts this offense back into the like top five rushing attack and takes the pressure back off Phillip Rivers because as long as there's pressure on Phillip Rivers, he's going to cave.
0: Yeah, kind of, kind of might be hitting that wall for Phil. Yeah, you know, and again, hashtag off season uh, off season storylines. Could we see Sam Darnold? In a Colts jersey next year.
1: That's I think that's a good you know if they could (laughs) if they could get that running game all put together I think that's a great place you know for Sam Darnold I would be I'd be okay with that.
0: Yeah, I mean the kid the kid was the kid is talented. He just needs to get away from Gase. Yep. Uh, All right, let's see here. Um, We've got the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys in a barn burner, thirty four to thirty seven, in which you know we saw. Dak Prescott go down. Um, sad sad for him, but uh, uh, Andy Dalton steps in and, and ultimately gets the job done.
1: Yeah. Well, and Michael Gallup, you know, we talked about, we were talking about Michael Gallup a while back about whether he's traded or they try to keep him. Uh, and He showed why he is so important to this offense because I don't think that, you know, C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper make that jump ball catch. You know, that's that element of Michael Gallup that you know, that, that 50, 50, go get them, you know, burn down the field, uh, put them in field goal position. Um Yeah. a Heck of a play to see there. And yeah, I, I was, I was bummed. I was, you know, like, Oh my gosh, this is the, this is the win for the giants. Uh But yeah, Andy Dalton came in and just said, no, nope, not today. I'm still a winner in this league. And uh it wasn't that long ago that Andy Dalton was leading the, uh, Bengals to five back-to-back Playoff appearances so Yeah I think that they're in good Hands there
0: yeah No I,
1: I, I the Last
0: thing I want to say in this Is you know um, I came across This stat the NFC East is the first NFL division in which every Team has a losing record Through week five since The 2013 NFC East <laughs> division <laughs> that
1: like coming. Yeah
0: the last time, if you, if you go past 2013, you have to go all the way back to 1968 to find another division in which all the teams had a losing record through five weeks. This is the kind of football that that division is used to. This is the kind of football that they've all been used to playing for this long. And again, that's kind of where I'm at with, you know, my, my cast is this is a bad Division of football and, and the Rams it swept them as they probably should, as anybody really should. Um, so we'll, we're I, we're we're going to see yeah. if the Rams are pretenders or um, contenders. But uh, it, I'm still I'm I guess I'm I'm, I'm holding on to my flag that I planted earlier in the season on the Rams. Just just not just, I'm not letting it go just yet.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean you know, the Cowboys and the Giants, at least, they've been in some pretty competitive games. You know, they've kind of, some of it's just kind of came down to like, Oh, okay. That's, that's how that's going to end, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, even with the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, they're, they're one crazy thing away Mm -hmm. from only being a one win team. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, well,
0: yeah. One crate, one ridiculous onside kick and one, you know, incomplete pass here or there, and they could be 0-5, and, and the Giants could be 1-4, and 4, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yep. All right. Uh, Sunday night football. Minnesota Vikings at the Seattle Seahawks, and man, Minnesota came and took it to them uh, in Seattle. They were in control of this game, uh, well in control of this game for the majority, the majority of the game until, what, the last, I don't know, minute 20 minute of the game and Russ puts him up.
1: Yeah. Well, and this was insane for me too. Cause I just, I watched that play and I watched what they were doing and I said, okay, the Seahawks, they're going to run DK from the left side of the formation just as fast as he can go across to the right side of the formation. And he's just going to throw it into a hole. And all I could think was like, you just have to make sure you have somebody follow him underneath and not get picked and they ran more of like a zone scheme and had somebody kind of follow over the top. And you could see Harrison Smith after the end of that, you know, screaming for help because nobody came in to help, you know, with DK coming across and uh, it's incredibly hard guy to, you know, cover, you know, he's so fast and so big, you know, and Russell Wilson is extremely accurate throw to the football like that. So I guess my big, my big issue with this game is this is the second game that I've seen Seattle win. On a last play of the game, where and I think it might have been the Vikings both times, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Where it was called the game over on clearly and a clearly incomplete pass. Um, did you catch I, that play, Nick?
0: If I did, I yeah. I mean, I wasn't. I guess I kind of was tuned out for whatever reason. But no, I, I don't. I don't remember specifically what play you're talking about.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it was last play of the game, Kirk Cousins dropped back. He sacked. Ah, he on. He's sacked. His arm's clearly yeah, coming yeah, yeah. forward. Okay. He comes forward, you know, three or four inches before the ball comes out. He's clearly got it under control. Uh, You know, it doesn't shift or anything in his hand. Uh, and the Vikings should have had a chance to throw up, you know, a Hail Mary, a hook and ladder, you know, something. And so for the referees to get that so wrong, like I said, this is the second time I've seen a Seattle game end like this. Uh, With the way that these two teams fought, I just I hate to see the referees, which I've been incredibly unsatisfied, dissatisfied with the referees the last three weeks. Um, They just keep getting worse and worse. And this was a big one. I'm surprised more people aren't talking about it. I guess it's just the idea that, you know, maybe it didn't make a difference because it was such a low percentage play with five seconds left. but. Again, that's just a bad, bad play to say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the game over. We all saw the Miami Miracle happen a couple
0: weeks or a couple years ago. So, I mean, five seconds is enough time to make anything happen. Uh, All right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I will say that to that, um, yeah, Seahawks are for real. Uh, The Vikings are better than we thought they were. They're kind of more on par with what we thought they should be. in we're slowly starting to see.
0: Yeah, they need to get page. something figured out in that uh, over I mean the secondary overall played really well against the the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, you know, you know Locket and uh, DK these guys are just monsters at wideouts and and obviously Russell Wilson's playing MVP football, but the for the most part they played well in this game, but they, they have not played well this season. So if they can get that figured out over the, over the season, they, they, they might have something cooking towards the end of the year. All right. Monday night football, Los Angeles chargers go into the new Orleans saints and what happened? They were up 20 to three at halftime. Or no, just before halftime. I think the yeah no, they were up the twenty to ten at halftime. I guess as it as it were, but get, still up seventeen, close to the end of the half, and the Chargers let it slip through their fingers, man. Yeah.
1: So first of all, uh, Justin Justin he Herbert, he is fantastic.
0: a monster. Oh my gosh. Um,
1: so I as a Pac-12 guy, college football guy, uh, love watching the Cougs. I got to see a lot of Justin Herbert. And I watched him just make plays in college um, where it was just like, wow, that guy has an NFL arm. Uh, he was, you know, the the presumed number one overall pick two years ago. He decided to come back to the, you know, college for his senior year. And then he somehow slipped and started slipping. And, you know, at, at one point he was, you know, being talked about as a second or third round guy. Obviously, you know, he threw 70 yards flat footed you know, square down the field and people went, well, maybe not, maybe he's better. We'll, we'll take a chance on that. But I, I, I've yet to see Tua play, but, um, I think Justin Herbert with what he's putting together, uh, he, this, he could be the best quarterback to come out of this draft. And that's with everybody, you know, that's with even as good as football as Burroughs playing, uh, Justin Herbert is putting the chargers on his back week in week out. Um, I promised you guys I would bring back Brian Hoyer. and his dumbness. <laughs> So they had a situation where they had an opportunity, you know, first of all, Herbert makes the throw, gets him down in the field goal range. You know, then he comes back and he, they, it's like, Hey, okay. Drop back, make the throw, throw it out of bounds, throw it over your guys. head, whatever, don't take a sack. And he does that. He's a rookie. He's played in four games in his entire career. And he knows how to do that, and not take a sack in that situation. Uh, that being said, you know Justin Herbert is winless in the NFL because of a kicker, in the same way that Brady is considered to be the goat because of a kicker. So that's fire kicker. <laughs> Brady's not the goat, and Herbert
0: Herbert uh-huh. can have a
1: win in the NFL. Yeah, I
0: really wish Brad was here to make that take, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and defend <laughs> Brady. So. <laughs> Uh, I mean, ultimately, I mean, Drew Brees, uh, struggled, struggled mightily in the first half, um, came out in second half and there, I think that, you know, I feel like the, the defense overall played a good game for the saints. Uh, I mean, Justin Herbert, that arm is like, is real. I, I, there's a couple throws where I couldn't believe I wanted, I wanted the, you know, like you see the fastballs at, at, you know, MLBs. I wanted, I wanted the gun on the, on his ball. I wanted to see how fast that thing was moving because it just was flying down the field. So like how the guy catch it.
1: Yeah. And he is able to just put it in the right places uh as well. You know, on top of that, he's very, very accurate. Yeah. I mean, so. he's, one thing I was that just gonna say—he's oh, go
0: definitely impressed me so far this season, um, and yeah, it makes me want to get two on the field right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see who who that top quarterback is here in a couple of years, but uh, Herbert's definitely going to be in the conversation. One thing that I'm definitely noticing with Drew Brees—you know—it's it, often forgotten that you know, 20 years ago or so, he had a shoulder surgery from a big injury uh, in san diego which led led him to come to the saints but you've always seen him kind of roll that shoulder throughout the game it's kind of been a tick but now it's gotten to the point where he's doing that the entire game that shoulder is bothering him uh and he's second guessing that arm he's not doing everything the way he used to who knows if that is you know just missing michael thomas which uh there's a lot of drama with michael thomas threatening to fight people within the locker room so some things falling apart there. not sure what's going on uh Saints are in a lot of trouble right now uh, for the Chargers to come in and nearly get that win there and them to just barely stay over 500. Um, looking at their schedule here, you know, they're going to have to play the Bears. They're going to have to play the Buccaneers again. Um, they're going to have to play the Chiefs late in the season. Uh, so, you know, those are easily games that they could easily lose uh, there. So they, they got to write this ship and write it quick or else uh, Drew Brees' story – Storyline the end of his career is gonna go.
0: Yeah, real sad you just real quick. had to bring up that when he moved to uh, when he got signed by the Saints, uh, Dolphins picked Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I th- I think ultimately, yeah. the 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 reason why Michael Thomas was not in this game is because of that fight. And I think once he gets back on the field, things the the ship will righten for the saints altogether. You get Thomas happy. He's playing, you get uh, the, all the players kind of shifted back to where they should be. And like I said, I think that defense is better, uh, better than we give it credit for right now. They've committed a lot of penalties. So they, I think they're the most, they're the heavily, uh, most heavily penalized DPI team in the league. So they, they need to get that. They need to get that figured out now. Uh, But yeah. All right. Battle of the Undefeated Buffalo Bills going into Tennessee Titans and get walloped by the team that was been off for two weeks. Plus. They literally had three practices in 16 days. 42 to 16. Ryan Tannehill looks
1: amazing. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So Ryan Tannehill, over his 14 regular starts with the Titans, he has 36 total touchdowns to six interceptions. Uh, I mean, he is really playing the. I mean, he's really playing quarterback at an elite level right now. Uh, You know, he's. I mean, it's Ryan Tannehill, and he has such a long career that it's hard to put him in the conversation as one of the like legitimately most elite best quarterbacks in the league. But he's a top eight quarterback right now and you could argue top five you know just with how well he's played fantasy Um, he
0: is top top, like i think he's third in scoring over those like you said those since he took over the start he's third in points per game scoring in fantasy so i mean he's he's playing awesome football uh again got away from gase uh, and then and got away from Joe Philbin who God knows how he ever got a head coaching job, but that that's moving on. I'm just, I'm glad to see RT 17
1: lighten it up. Let's go Titans. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about the best quarterbacks, you know, there's, you know, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson obviously has to be in that conversation. Uh, Aaron Rogers, uh, you know, I'd say he, at this point in his career, he's better than, you know, I don't want to say Tom Brady because yeah, <laughs> a lot of hate backfire back on me. Tom Brady seems to be playing some better football than I thought he would be. Then again, when you have every weapon in the NFL, I mean, what, of course you're going to, um, but yeah, he's, he's definitely up there. Uh, Josh Allen kind of had his, you know, come back to earth moment against this uh, defense throwing two interceptions and, you know, kind of shaking that MVP, Resume that he had going so far this year, but yeah, Titans are the real deal. Um, for anybody who isn't following this, I did want to bring this. There were some stats from uh, Derek Henry's high school days. Have I you have seen not. those, Nick? Okay, so let me just skip down. well, well I, okay, while so, I
0: sorry, I, I I know you were gonna bring those up. I just wanted to say the Derek Henry stiff arm on poor Josh Norman. Holy crap!
1: Yes, holy crap! <laughs> Well, that's okay. going to go into this right here, because in in, in high school, Derek, so this is uh, Bleacher Report's Gridiron post this, and it says Derek Henry's high school resume was comical. He had 40 straight 100-yard <laughs> games. He never ran. He never ran for under 100 yards. He actually averaged 250-plus rushing yards per game. He ran for a record 502 yards what? in one game. Uh, 9.2 yards per carry as a senior, uh, 12,000 yards as a uh, career rushing yards in four years. I mean, that's that's over 3,000 yards a year in probably 10 games, 12 games, and 153 career touchdowns. 153? (laughs) 153
0: touchdowns in four years.
1: And as a Colts fan, I've watched him sit on the bench – for three years and i thought oh, please don't ever start him please don't and then now they do and it's just he's yeah he's phenomenal he's a special kind of well, guy. six I foot mean, four 250
0: pounds and and you can take it to the house you know you got the speed to take it to the house on any play that's that is a special specially built human being
1: yeah, and I mean, just looking at this, I mean forty two to sixteen. I mean, this was a big statement win for the Titans. Uh this is a different team since Ryan Tannehill's been the the quarterback there and it's officially time. I'm I'm putting myself on notice in the AFC South. This is the best team in the AFC South right now.
0: Yeah, I mean it definitely definitely looks that way. We're gonna see some prove it games coming up here, but um yeah, I mean I mean Mike Vrabel's got this team playing the right way and he has since Tannehill took over, and and like I said, I'm 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 happy for Ryan that he's finally finding some success because you saw flashes of it while he was in in Miami. There were some certain, you know, stretches of games where you know he was putting up the the big numbers, but I'm just happy that he's finding some success as long as they find as long as they find a way to lose one of these games. I, I I'm I'm happy for him. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think right. that's it. Uh like I said, no Thursday night game, so no preview for this. Um we may be coming back to you sooner than expected to be determined. Um but uh we'll we'll certainly have the preview uh the previews up for week six, the new new week six uh that we yeah, week six, right? We just did week five, yep. Mm-hmm. All okay. right, so, yeah, new week six yes, after sir. all the COVID shifts. Uh, there was eight t- eight teams in total that uh, got affected by new bye weeks and new schedule changes. Um, but, yeah, we'll get into all that. Uh, uh, like I said, coming up to you soon. Uh, yeah, I think that's everything we got. And with, and with that, right. thank you for joining yeah. us on the All B Sports Podcast where it's all BS all the time. We'll see you guys soon.